0: This morning, we're going to be back in Genesis, of course. Not of course, sometimes I stray. But uh, we're picking up our study with Genesis, God and Man, in Genesis chapter 31. And we're going to cover the first 21 verses this morning. I had kind of hoped from the outset to cover the whole thing, but as I got into it, I quickly realized uh, I bit off more than I could chew, and there was more here uh, than uh, would fit into one message. So we'll take the second half uh, in another time. But the title of today's message is I Will Be With You. I Will Be With You. Previously, if you remember the drama that unfolded, Rachel was being, in a sense, overdramatic, although the desire and the pain of her heart was real and valid. Uh, her reaction to Jacob, I'm going to die if you don't give me children, was a bit dramatic there. Uh, but she was burdened by the fact that she couldn't have kids. Uh, so she gives her maid Bilhah, to Jacob, we see again the giving of maids, this custom, but also this uh, family thing that, that plays out, and she bears Dan and Naphtali to Jacob after Leah had already born uh, four sons. Uh, she had this rivalry with her sister uh, that Leah did, and she, uh, she still valued giving children to her husband as a way to get his affection. Remember seeing that, that she thought that these children would bring him home and get him to dwell uh, in their tent, uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, so Leah thinks she's done giving children after eh, giving. She's done bearing children after 4, and she gives her maid Zilpah uh, to Jacob and Zilpah bears Gad and Asher. Uh, remember that little Reuben finds those mandrakes in the field, uh, and Leah buys a night with Jacob with them from Rachel. But God listens to Leah. He gives her two more sons, Issachar and Zebulun, and also a daughter, Dinah. So she had 4, she thought she was done, and then she had 3 more. God remembered Rachel, it says, and he opens her womb. You know, there's this whole family dynamic of barrenness that, that is in their family. Uh, and Joseph becomes Rachel's firstborn. Uh, it's no wonder we see later that uh, Jacob would favor Joseph and give him that coat of many colors, as they say. But Jacob wants his freedom. He wanted to be done with Laban, to move on. So he strikes up this deal about the spotted and speckled uh animals, that as they would separate their flocks, uh, the plain ones and then the, the straight ones would go to Laban, and then the spotted and speckled would stay Jacob's. Uh, we'll see tonight that that deal was, uh, had a little bit more to it, uh, as we'll see today. But God continues to favor Jacob in his hard work uh, and becomes quite wealthy. Remember, he has servants and camels all because of this, that as God begins to bless him, he begins to mass up and grow up. Uh, and that's where we're going to pick it up today but this family at large had quite the trials we look back several generations look back with uh, abraham and isaac and now jacob and all the drama and problems in every generation of their family uh, and to know that this is the family that god chose to bring the nation out of that this is the trials and the struggles that they would go through to birth uh, this promised nation in the promised land that through all these things, God is continually reaching out to them. This is God and man. This isn't a history of Israel lesson where these are the people and they just so happen to have children and they just so happen to eventually become a nation. But that God had this plan for them through it all. That all these things are growing pains in a sense for them. That he was speaking unto them, them. In 1 Peter four twelve through 13 the scripture says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And we know as Christians, when hard times come and trials come upon us, if they're for the fact that we're following Jesus, that life gets hard because we chose not to do the easy way because we're Christians, chose not to do the sinful way, that we can rejoice, that Christ will be revealed in us and that it will pay off in the long run. And the half-brother of Jesus, James, writes in James 1, 2-4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That in the middle of these things that we go through, as we'll see in this family, even in the closest relationships, that God is with us if we let him be. God desires to speak. God desires to make known. God desires to walk with us and provide for us and stand up for us and protect us if we would but let him. And if we say we believe that, well, there's only really one way to find out if we truly do, is that when the situations come up for that faith to be proved, to say, oh, God does stand up for me when there comes up a time when you need to stand up for yourself or you might normally think about standing up for yourself and you let God do it, Well, that's when the faith comes real, and that's when you really see that He truly is. It's not just a nice word on the wall, but it's a word in your life. Proverbs 18.24 promises us, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And as close as our brothers and our sisters and our family may be, there's one friend named Jesus who will stick closer to us than any of those. And God, this morning we pray that you would draw us close. That, God, you might open our hearts and minds to you. That anything in the way of us hearing from you, God, you would deal with and and take away. That, God, we would hear from you. Uh, if it takes a dream like we see today, or just a word, that, God, we would listen and obey and submit to you and let you handle all of our affairs. Because, God, you're our king, and, and here we are. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's pick it up. And we're going to take the chapter in two chunks this morning, and the first one will be verses 1 through 13. So it's Genesis chapter 31. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, uh, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has acquired all of his, this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable towards me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family. We remember that at the end of the last chapter, that Jacob took some of the flocks, And Laban's sons took some of the flocks and they put three days separation between them. And we saw that God began to bless Jacob and his flocks grew in number, as uh, he mentions here to Rachel and Leah. But what happens is that Jacob overhears what Laban's sons are talking about. Maybe they don't hear him coming. Maybe a servant comes and tells him. But the guys who were taking care of the other flocks were pretty mad. They began to see Jacob's wealth increasing. And Laban's decreasing. They see Jacob getting all the flocks and Laban not having any more. And they say that everything Jacob has is just because of our dad. All those flocks he has, he's really just taking care of our dads. And our dad made these deals with him. But he wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for our dad. There's a bit of truth in that sense that Jacob worked for his dad. But he made deals fair and square. He worked fair and square. And God blessed that. But they're jealous. I think part of it is, Well, he's our dad and we're not rich. We don't have camels. We don't have servants. But this guy, Jacob, shows up a while ago and he's working for our dad. And all of a sudden these deals are working out in his favor. Well, whose sheep were they to begin with? And they get mad. So Jacob begins to take note of these things. It reminds me of Ecclesiastes 10.20, Do not curse the king even in your thought. Do not curse the rich even in your bedroom. For a bird of the air may carry your voice, and a bird in flight may tell the matter. Now, I don't know if that bird yesterday that got stuck in our chimney and out of our uh, fireplace and had to get him out of the house uh, knew anything, but if he overheard us talking about anything, I'm sure he went and told his friends. Um, But I told him that I was going to cook him, and he had to get out of there. But when Jacob heard these things, he was wise about it. He didn't just shrug it off. He didn't begin to fight them on it and say, no, 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 these are mine. He began to pay attention, I believe. And he looked at Laban and he paid attention to the way, I believe, the way Laban was treating him, the way Laban looked at him, the way Laban maybe was short with him, or maybe he didn't text him back. But he considered and he realized that the way Laban looked at him was not favorable like it had been before. Laban used to favor him, pal him around, talk up to him, talk to him, however it was that wasn't there anymore. It had changed. Do you ever wonder why someone is acting the way they do towards you? I think far too often in life, we just blame it as them being a jerk. I think perhaps Laban is being a rude guy here and he's obviously very selfish and Jacob needs to consider his friendship. But sometimes we put all the onus on others when they begin to treat us differently. Sometimes, We need to step back and consider and wonder why we have troubles in our relationships or difficult situations. Maybe the business deal didn't turn out the way you wanted. Step back and consider and pray that God would give you his take on it. God revealed to you, oh, you haven't been very friendly. That's why they've done that to you. Or you said this about them behind their back and they found out about it. You need to go apologize. Or perhaps he will just reveal to you that you haven't done anything wrong and... You need to consider this relationship. In Genesis thirty-one three, the third verse, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and your family, and I will be with you. I love that as Jacob hears, overhears these things, considers his uncle and the life situation, and he's not favoring us anymore, and begins to consider the situation that he's in, that's when God speaks to him. And God tells him what he needs to do about the situation. He doesn't say, go to Laban and make amends. He says, Jacob... Return to the land of your family and I will be with you. That's the answer for Jacob here. Time's up. Time to go. This season, these doors that begin to shut in your life, it's time to go. And there's been times in our lives when we've had to step back and consider and pray, is it time for us to stay or time for us to go? And there's been times when we had to put our head down and stay or tread carefully. And there's been other times when God said, it's time to go. But wait, return to the place I ran away from? We don't hear Jacob say that and and fight God over it. We see him get ready to go. He's ready to go back. But it's interesting that the place where he ran away from, the place where his brother wanted to kill him, the place he ran away from with nothing is now exactly the place where God is calling him to go back to. He's got problems there with Laban, but the problems he also had in the place where he would come from. You know, they say that When people run away from their problems, they can't because the problem is them. And even though this situation was bad, yeah, it was stuck between a rock and a hard place, a Laban and an Esau. He had a family and a fortune to consider. Plus, he had this God-given desire to be on his own out from Laban's land. Really, God wanted him back in the promised land. He didn't want him in Laban's land. He wanted him in the promised land. And so what does Jacob do? Well, I believe he's very wise. He calls his wives together first before he makes this big decision. And if he was even wiser, he would only have one wife, but you know what I mean. But notice here that he doesn't call in uh, Zilpah and Bilhah. He doesn't consider them wives in the same way that he does Rachel and Leah. Um, But he calls them out to the field. He calls them out away from their dad's house, away from the prying ears of servants, He calls them out to where he is in a private area and he discusses these important matters in secret. And it's okay to talk in secret. It's okay to have a closed door meeting. It's okay to to go in the bedroom or go away and use encrypted email to talk to your family because not everyone needs to know your business, especially not those whose countenance towards you is not favorable. You're not doing anything wrong if you talk in secret. People these days give up the privacy. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not hiding anything. Well, that's not the point, is that you have a point and a right to privacy. Because I guarantee if someone really wants to listen to you, well, they have other motives than then you're good. But married couples, you need to talk in secret. Not everyone needs to know your business. Your friends don't. Your family doesn't need to know the dirty laundry, your private business. If situations are really that bad, do what Matthew 18 commands. Take a brother, take a sister to them and talk to them. If they don't hear that, take them to the leadership of the church. Go have a pastoral meeting. If they don't hear that, take them to the church at large. But when you have a fight, if your husband's not doing the right thing, if your wife's not doing the right thing, Don't just go out and start blabbing to everybody. Don't get on that talk show and start talking about them and air their dirty laundry. It's not going to help. You are really just trying to plead your own case. You're trying to be your own judge and own defense. Now, am I saying cover it up if they're abusive or if something's really wrong? No, I'm just saying handle it in the most godly way possible. And that does not involve gossip. Because when you talk to someone else about your pri- private problems and you haven't gotten about it in the right way, and first of all, maybe have you even taken it to the Lord? Because I don't think the Lord's going to tell you to do that. It's just going to change their opinions of that person. They're going to begin to look down on that person. They're going to have the negative thoughts towards them. And the advice they're going to give you is going to be one-sided. It's going to be based on that negative gossip that you gave them. Even if it's right. Even if it's true. It's not the right way to handle things. We see here that Laban's countenance was only fair weather. When it was nice and sunny out in Laban's life, Jacob had uh, his blessing. But when it wasn't, Jacob did it. God blessed Jacob. And we see that even Laban admitted it. Whether, you know, he knew about God, but he didn't have that relationship with God. He said, God is blessing me because of you, Jacob. I've got all these animals because of you. Prophets are up this year because I've got a great employee that I don't pay him very much for. I love you, Jacob. But when God directly blessed Jacob and the prophets weren't in Laban's pocket, even though he made those deals fair and square, oh, if they're speckled. You can have them. If they're spotted, you can have them. Laban began to hate Jacob. Laban didn't care about Jacob. Laban only cared about his, himself. His bottom line. We see that later that he doesn't care about his daughters. His sons are out working the field. They're not rich. It doesn't seem like he cares much about his other sons either. And Jacob says to his wives, "With all of this, the God of my father has been with me. The God of my father." He begins to realize, "Oh, yeah, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham." He remember, maybe he remembered that dream doesn't say, not the God of your father. <laughs> we know the God of Laban is not one that you'd want with them. And he says to them, with all my might, I've served Laban. Your dad, I worked for him so hard. I worked for him seven years. For Rachel, he gave me Leah. Sorry, Leah. I worked seven more years and he gave me Rachel. I worked seven more years after that. And worked more and more and more. It says that he changed my wages ten times. I don't count ten here, but at... You know, at first reading, you might think that he was being he was embellishing a little bit, but later on he says it right to Laban and Laban doesn't discount it. But we think about it. he was there for a month, and then Laban says, "Why don't you work for me? Why don't I pay you?" And then he works seven years. And then he rips him off and then he works seven more years, and then he has to work seven more years. Uh, and then now we kind of get the sense that the speckled and spotted differences. one time it was speckled, and all the babies came out speckled, and the next time Laban said, "Okay, no more speckled. How about spotted this time? And then the Spotted came out. He's like, all right, no more Spotted. Let's do the street this time. And then the street came out, you know? So it was all these times that when it didn't work out in Laban's favor, he would change the deal on Jacob. And yet God was continually with Jacob. Jacob kept seeing, I know I put out the sticks before them, but I know that it was God who was taking care of me because every time Laban tried to uh, take me over in a deal, God would use even that corrupt deal, that selfish deal on Laban's uh, behalf because I was honest and hardworking. God blessed me. Through it. it, says your father has deceived me. That this guy Jacob, heel catcher, deceiver, finally knows what it's like to be an on, on, honest, hardworking Jacob, and to be ripped off. How many of us know what it's like to be ripped off? Have you ever a bad landlord? Someone who didn't stick to their deal. Someone who didn't listen to your complaints when they were valid complaints. Someone who goes after you for money when you leave, even though they already breached the contract. You ever have a bad boss, one who demands more of you, one who makes you come in every day of the week, doesn't pay you overtime and doesn't live up to their end of the deal. What about a corrupt government? We know something of a corrupt government here, but not like you might see in Venezuela where they don't have food and water and electricity because their government is so corrupt or a bad legal outcome where You didn't have enough money to hire the right lawyer and the other person had plenty of money to get the lawyer and you got ripped off or perhaps the judge was just trying to set a precedent and legislate from the bench and they got one over on you Jacob knew a little bit about that now what it was like to be deceived and ripped off he knew what it felt like I'm not saying that this is God trying to get him back it wasn't God was blessing him but man No one likes getting ripped off. You just feel stolen, especially when there's no recompense. The government takes from you. What can you do? Think about that mom who took her kid to the doctor and then the kid started feeling better and the doctor told her to go to the hospital. Mom said, no, they're better. I'm not going to go spend $700 on an emergency room. My kid's doing better. And the kid was fine. There was nothing wrong with him. But the doctor called the police and the police came and SWAT teams came and took their kids away. And now they're still fighting to get the kids back. The kids are all separated from their mom now. Talk about theft. Talk about injustice because some doctor was afraid. And I get it. You know, if a doctor sees something wrong, you don't want to be abusing the kids, but the kid was fine. They should have showed up at the house and hey, how's your kid? See that he's fine? Oh, okay. Thanks, ma'am. Have a good day. They shouldn't have even gotten that far, in my opinion. The government... I uh, won't we'll go off on it. <laughs> Government is good, and it's from God, and we should respect it. But, sincerely, when man is in charge, people get ripped off. Again, Laban kept changing the deal, and God would honor it. It wasn't Jacob's fault. God was blessing him. Jacob's like, I'm not ripping your dad off. He makes these deals, and God blesses them. What can I do about it? God is blessing me and favoring me. The God of my fathers. I know that it's his hand on my life. Look at where I came from. Look at where I am now. It's because of God. He says, God has clearly taken away the livestock of your father. And he's blessed me with him. He's seen what Laban is doing. And he's seen what I've been doing. And he's honored me. And not necessarily because of what he's doing. Because we know who Jacob was. We know that he's a deceiver. We know that he wasn't totally following God. He made that vow to God about God. If you bless me, that will follow you. And God just wanted Jacob to follow him. He wanted Jacob's heart to be totally his. And God is the one who transferred the wealth properly. God is the only one who can truly be Robin Hood, who can take from the rich and give to the poor and have it not be injustice and have it not be theft. Why? Because the Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And Jacob recognized that. But Laban didn't, and when Laban didn't, the the wealth automatically moved to Jacob. The Democrats, the Socialists, you know, the truly Communists. If anyone tells you you're Socialists, remember that the Nazis were National Socialist Party. That's what they were. That the USSR, Soviet Russia, Communist Russia is a union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Venezuela, socialist, trying to take and redistribute the wealth. Keep your head up. That's the deception. Because hard work should pay off. Hard work should not go to pay for someone else to not work, at least by force. Uh, nothing against handouts in a sense that truly help the poor and the disabled. That's a good thing, but it should not, it should not be forced for everybody. Because a lot of times, well, anytime there's money involved and someone else is in charge of handling the money, as we see now, they are always have their hand in the pot. There's always that corruption. And we see that Jacob uh, reveals another heavenly dream that God gives him. And when God shows up to him, he says, the angel of God showed up to me. We know that that's Jesus. That's a Christophany. He says, here I am. Here I am. God shows up and Jacob says, here I am. Just like Samuel, right? Here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. And that's the key answer when God calls. Not that there's the secret handshake with God that you have to say the right thing. But really, when God shows up, he say, "Here I am. There you are. Here I am, Lord." And this is what God spoke to Jacob, in the dream, the word to go home. Jacob didn't have a Bible to read, but God read him, and God gave him the answer. And I'm sure the desire of his heart when he left home, I'm sure he didn't want to. He misses mom, his dad. I'm sure he misses his brother even. You know, after all this time goes by. He's not mad anymore. and I'm sure he will see that he hopes that Esau isn't either. He doesn't know what Esau's feelings are. Man, you go through life and time passes and your heart gets softened by the Lord. You just want your family to be back together. You just want to be friends with your siblings. You want all that to go away because you realize, they're my only siblings. They're special and I love them. And, and it doesn't matter. But God wants them to go back to this land of his family, this promised land. Because Laban's land was not the promised land. We see that. It was full of deceit. It was full of getting him get it ripped off. And sometimes we stay in those situations that we just shouldn't stay in anymore. We stay in a place that we don't have to stick around in anymore. We stay in a job where we just get taken advantage of because we think we have to. Now, I'm not saying you just need to get up and quit as soon as things get hard, You need to move out or get a new situation just because you don't like it anymore. Or just because you got ripped off, all of a sudden you don't need to pay your taxes anymore. No, that's not what I'm saying. Pay your taxes. Romans 13. Perhaps God has you there for that reason. For a time to learn something, to gain something, or perhaps even to reach someone. Or just to even get your attention in the matter. Sometimes God allows a hard situation that you might cry out to Him. However, like this, like Jacob... There comes a time when we really must consider why we are where we are. We should probably do that more often than we admit and probably not wait for the hard times to come and even let it be in a good time to consider, okay, I've got this blessing. Am I learning to be abased and learning to abound? Is, it time, is this blessing for a reason or am I just going to use it for some other reason? on myself? Just truthfully, are we just sticking around because we're afraid to try something else? Are we just masking our own fear or inability or doubt with some good motive of staying involved in something? Are we just afraid to break up with this person that we're not married to just because we're afraid to? So we're afraid to be alone. We must pray and let God give us the answer whether we should stay or go. That's always the thing. Always seek God first. Jacob heard this, saw this, was experiencing all of it. And he let God speak to him. And God's answer was the one that he acted on. We must obey. It's only going to get more complicated, more convoluted, and even more disastrous if we don't. Once God speaks to us, we need to obey in his time as fast as possible. God was telling Jacob and assuring him that everything he did, I'm sorry, everything that he had didn't come from Laban directly. Otherwise, you might feel obligated, you might feel guilty, you might feel like you gotta give it all back. Oh, it's all yours, I'll go empty-handed. God's saying, no, 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 Jacob, this is all yours. I gave all of this to you. Don't believe the gossip just because they're angry and mad that you have wealth and property doesn't mean that it's bad. That's the same thing. It doesn't it's not bad to be rich, but the rich will wither like the grass, and a rich man is it's hard for them to get to heaven. But truthfully, if God blesses you. It's not wrong to have the things that you have if they were gained in righteous living. It's not a self-righteous argument. Oh, well, God gave it to me. It's mine. I don't need to go back to him. It's how often do we do that? I work for it. But it's a, an argument of righteous imputation, if that's a word. It's righteousness imputed to Jacob. Yeah, you work for it, Jacob, but you know what? God is the one who blessed it a 100 times over. God is the one who made all this possible. Give me a break. That's a weird, all the speckled beers, and all of a sudden all the babies are speckled. That's God. That's not you taking from him. That's God giving. And I love this. God says, Jacob, for I've seen all that Laban is doing to you. A lot of times I feel like no one sees. No one saw what my boss said to me behind closed doors. No one sees that I'm here late every night. No one sees how my husband treats me. God sees. And no man do we ever want and need God to be the one who sees what's being done to us. He sees every angle. He sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Other people don't. Other people have a limited perspective and they may want to help in their limited perspective and even more in their limited ways to do it. Man, God is all-powerful. And when God sees, know that he's going to be with you and he's going to take care of it. Deuteronomy 32, 35-36, this is what God says. The one who sees, he says, Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that come hasten upon them, for the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free. You know, it says that Israel is the apple of his eye, that God cares about you, and when someone hurts you, know that God is going to deal with it, and he already is. It may not seem like it right now, but know that he does see it. He's waiting for the best time for you to handle it. Romans 12, 16-21 says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We've read that before. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Do we believe that? That God will repay. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For and so are you doing, reap holes of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a place where, for righteous violence and righteous protection. But at the end of the day, the best, the only way to overcome evil is not with more evil, not with more backbiting or stealing, but by just doing the right thing. Matthew 5:38 through 42 Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other one also. This is regarding personal things. If, if someone's trying to hurt my family, I am guarantee I'm going to resist them. But if they're trying to hurt me, it's different. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, well, give him your coat also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. Man, that's a hard set of verses to live by with our motives in place and what we think we need to do to care for ourselves. We need to let God be the one who determines what really is injustice in our life. So many times we think it's injustice and it's just us being selfish or us being lazy or us being angry that they have something and we don't. It's not really an injustice. It's just facts of life. Don't work, you don't eat. Don't try to fight for yourself in an unrighteous manner. You don't need to be a doormat, but you don't need to to be your own defense lawyer. Give him that tunic and give him your coat also. Let God sort it out. He's the only one who can truly serve up justice and blessing and reparation. All the blessing of the flock here we see is in part God's response to Jacob being taken advantage of. God sees what Laban's doing and God goes, Okay, Laban, you want to treat your family like this? You want to be uh, stingy with the blessings I've given you? Well, okay, I'll just let those blessings flow to someone else that's willing uh, to look to me for them. You know, Laban is this man, he's just, in the end of the day, he's defrauding his nephew, his nephew. God is so much bigger than that. He uses this effort of this uncle to defraud as an opportunity to bless. It's not like the enemy. The enemy thinks that, He's in charge, that he's got it all under control, that he's ruling the world, and he's going to steal, kill, and destroy you. But guess what? When the enemy comes to town to steal, kill, and destroy you, if we just submit and let God God revenge him, let God deal with him, we'll know that the blessings will be more and more. That God just says, I'm going to bless you. The enemy comes, steals, robs, and kills Job's family. God uses it as an opportunity to doubly bless Job. Matthew ten twenty seven to thirty one. Jesus says, "Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear whom is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." Uh, this part that this is together with this. He says, "Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore; you have more value than many sparrows." People are going to come against you. They're going to try and hurt you. Don't fear them. Why? Because God values you. They don't value you. They value what's in your pocket or what they can get from you. But the Lord your God values you more than many sparrows. The government may tax you unjustly. Your employer might not pay you what you're worth or overlook your dedication and talent. Take advantage of your meekness. Your spouse or your family might put you down and not love you. But God sees all that. God listens. God remembers. You may not think God is acting. Jacob was working for decades for Laban. Decades. But in that, look for the blessing. Look for the Word of God in the midst of it all. Are there blessings that you haven't even taken note of, perhaps, because you're so caught up in trying to avenge yourself? Things that God has provided for you, even in spite of those people? Maybe that job takes advantage of you, but... That job's paid for the house you live in. Know that God sees. They have an end. may not be in this life. You may not see the end of it in this life. But Matthew 6, 19-21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. At the end of the day, if we're trying to avenge ourselves, a lot of times I think it's because we're trying to get our treasure on earth. If we would just let God avenge us, we would see that there's so much bigger things in heaven. And that's easy to say. And try not to be trite or cavalier about it, but sincerely, man, let God handle it. Let God deal with it. You'll never lose out. You may get something back if you avenge yourselves, but what's it going to cost? Is it going to cost your witness? Is it going to cost, let's say, even if you get 100% of it back, what if God had 200% for you? You don't know where you're missing out on, even in just a selfish way like that. The taxman wants your money. You know what? Let him have it. God will sort it out and give you more wealth and life in the next that money you just can't buy. If your boss is taking advantage of you, know that he's the real slave to his own desires. And you are free in Christ to serve him or her. If your family hates you, wants to defraud you, Know that Jesus' brothers thought he was insane until after the resurrection. They said, Jesus, you're beside yourself. Joseph's family sold him up a river, but God made him the second charge in Egypt to save them. God says, I'm the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Get out of this land. It's time to go, Jacob. Lot, flee. Abram, go. And get out, Jacob. Go home. God reminds him of that pillar, the altar, and the vow. Remember, Jacob, when you were coming up here and I showed up to you in the dream. And you say, God, if you take care of me and come, you bring me back here, I'll serve you. God's like, guess what? It's time for you to come back there. I'm still with you, Jacob. i blessed you this entire time. Let's go back. Let's you and me go back together. I've always been with you, Jacob. Please be with me now. Let's go on in verse 14 through 21. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. And Jacob rose and set his sons and wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had gained. He acquired livestock which he had gained in Padan Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban and Syrian, and that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. That's pretty smart. So he fled with all that he had, He arose and crossed the river, and he headed towards the mountains of Gilead. We see here Rachel and Leah answer him, and they say, We don't even have any inheritance left with our dad. Anything that we had, he's spent, he's used, he's taken for himself. We're considered strangers by him. I don't know if this was something that was slow cooking, or if this was from the beginning. Uh, Perhaps this is just from the countenance change that... As Laban's countenance changed towards Jacob, it changed towards Rachel, it changed towards Leah, because they were Jacob's now, and all, and all his sons and children. And how sad is that, that his daughters feel like their dad just thinks of them as just some stranger at the store. And he's saying that he has sold us. He sold us. Dad, we were just currency to dad. Dad needed some labor and he sold us off. We love you. But our dad was just paying you with us. Their dad truly didn't value them. And I pray that I never treat my children like that. I pray that they always sense their immense worth. And I'm sure that I don't always value them. and I put other things before them at times. And I pray that I don't. That they would know how valuable they are they say that he, dad completely consumed our money he just takes advantage of us perhaps any dowry that they had was used up because they all stayed with him they didn't go live in a different house they didn't go move somewhere else they stayed with their dad and so he kept all the money he said oh yeah, yeah very sure mm-hmm. and all that money he had been saving up for them uh, We kept himself and know that I haven't saved that much money <laughs> for my kids so I'm um, no reason for them to stay with me other than I want them to. But this guy, Lavin, man, as an adult, he's way worse than I thought when I was a kid. Oh, I thought, he, oh, he just, and I, <laughs> Jacob, he just made Jacob work for him. He just kind of deceived him a little bit. But this is, this guy really, not somebody you want to be around. You know, the Bible says, don't hang around with an angry man. Flee from him. Go from his presence. Lest you be like him. They say, for all these riches which God has taken away from our Father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Like It's a big deal for one wife, let alone two wives, to have the same feelings about their dad. They say, look, we don't care if we ever see him again. He's ripping us off. He doesn't care about us. He doesn't love us. Everything we have, God has given to you. Let's just go. Let's just get out of here. There's no need for us to be here. If God's telling us to go, no need to stay anymore. Please go where God has called you to go. We need to obey God in those times. They want Him to obey God too. They say, don't worry about us, Jacob. It's okay if we go. We're with you. They know firsthand what their dad is like and that there's really no reason for them to stay. And if they stay, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to continue to take advantage of them and perhaps even take everything they have and even harm them. So what does Jacob do? He packs it all up. He puts his family in the cars and he begins to head back. uh, It says that he stole away. He didn't steal away anything from Jacob, but it's this expression like he's leaving at night. He's stealing away in the night uh, when uh, Laban doesn't see. And that's good. You don't want to tell the person you're running away from that you're running away from them. You know, if you're in trouble with the law, this is a little bit different, but generally you don't go tell the police, hey, I'm going to run away now. This is where I'm going because they won't let you. And I guarantee Laban wouldn't have let him. I don't think he would have if he had known right away. There would have been a real problem if it happened right away. Real big problem. So while Laban, uh, and sorry, one step back, he says to his father Isaac. It's interesting that he wants to go back to his father Isaac. That even after all these years, he still wants to see his dad. And guess what? His dad is still alive for four more chapters. Remember, before Jacob left, Isaac was convinced he was going to die? that it's been decades later. But anyway, Laban's out shearing the sheep, taking care of the business he has to do. It's a big process. So what does Rachel do? Rachel sneaks into the house the tent, grabs all of his idols, all his household idols, and, and goes away. Her motive? Not po- totally positive here. Maybe she wanted the blessing of the idols. But perhaps I really think she wasn't Maybe she wasn't truly set on the true God here, but I really think that she wanted to stick it to her dad who trusted in these things. Her dad who bowed down and worshipped these stones and these gods who he trusted in and cared about more than his daughters, more than his family, his, these idols who he prayed to for wealth and prosperity. She said, you know what? I'm taking that from you, Dad. I'm going to spite you in this way and I'm going to grab him and take him." Because he cared less about his living, breathing family than he did about the dead stone that he worshipped. And that should be a lesson to us all, to value those things which are living more than the things that are not. The things that are worshipped in this world, prosperity, a career, education, singleness, cars, possessions, notoriety, whatever it is, they're dead. And they'll do nothing but kill you. Work you through an early grave. Worship those things like your family. In a sense, not worship them, but give them worth. Ascribe worth to them in your life. And the only way to truly do that is by worshiping God. When you get God in the right position in your heart and your life, He'll begin to work out everything else. And He'll be able to put family and work and career and education in all the right places. Because your family is the true value. The true wealth. To have children that love you and know they're loved. The distinction here, we see that uh, Laban was truly a Syrian. They say, Laban the Syrian. Don't say Jacob's uncle. Don't say your mom's brother. It says Laban the Syrian. That he wouldn't have the inheritance in the promised land. That his life was full of idol- uh, idolatry, deceit, and taking advantage of even his own family. It says, you're worse than even an unbeliever if you claim to be a believer and you don't care of your family. This man was set in his ways, his culture, his idolatry. He was not interested in a living God, even though he mentions it before, and we'll see in the second part of this about how he makes this deal with uh, Jacob and the God is between us. Really, Laban? I don't know. But God was interested in Laban. God gave Laban all these years and all these chances. And he doesn't listen. And so what does Jacob have to do? He has to leave quietly. He has to leave secretly. And he has to go now. And he has to go fast. He's running away. But he's not like an upset adolescent. He's running away for whatever motive. But he's leaving because God was leading him out. His time in this family, his time in this land, his time of being taken advantage of. In a sense, he was taking advantage of, but look at how much God had given him for it. He, he made up for it. But he knew he couldn't announce it to this godless part of his family. It wasn't really God. It was one godless. He wasn't godless. They had many gods, but now they're godless because Rachel stole them all. But what should have been a joyous time in his life, a blessing, a feasting of a salvation—thanks, God—is bringing you back to the promised land. God has given your family His promise to make your nation. Oh, we want to go with you, Jacob. Let's go to the promised land with you. We don't need to stay here. Oh, God bless you. Look at the great things God has done in your life. Didn't happen. There's no celebration. There's no giving thanks. There's no worship. There's no praying, laying on hands, and sending off. Because his family was not following God. It was a fearful time. He'd be on the run, stealing away in the night, so to speak, event. Taking the broom and wiping your tracks behind you so they can't follow you, as opposed to inviting them to come with you. In the past... In our lives, and church and elsewhere, people have moved on, they've moved out, they followed God. At times there's been, even when it's for a disagreeable reason, because we do disagree. I remember one time, one of the guys at church has had a different view on certain things and, and couldn't continue on in our church. And guess what? We blessed him and sent him off from the stage, saying that these things, the differences don't so much matter between us. We're still brothers. I want to bless you and send you out. There's been other times when God has called people out, clearly been moving in their lives to bring them somewhere else and use them somewhere else, and they're not even a mention, not even a pat on the back, treated as if they don't exist anymore. There's a difference between a healthy time and an unhealthy time. And the way these things happen is truly, I believe, a litmus test of the spiritual condition of a church, a family, a job, Someone moves on for a good reason. They get, you know, there's been jobs I've left for a good reason and it was a good place and they said, you're always welcome back. And there's other times, maybe I wasn't a good employee and they didn't want me back. I don't know. But there's different seasons for these things. So as they leave, it says they crossed the river and they went to the mountains. It seems very simple to us nowadays. Oh, there was a bridge (laughs) and he just drove over it and he went up the highway. No, imagine, think of, Oregon Trail where he had have to like ford a river with an oxen and a cart. and That's a big deal. And, I, and they went to the mountains and I believe that they took this harder journey down the east side through the mountains of Gilead, as we'll see, as opposed to the, he came up the west side it was probably the more traveled route by the beach. Probably to try and sneak away. Probably to try and stay away and not be followed. And we'll pick up more of that next time. But as they're moving on, moving out, running away, fleeing it, because God told them to, brings to mind the Egyptians and Israel and fleeing from Pharaoh. In your situations, whatever they are, what is God leading you to do? Is it to stay, is it to go? Is it to give them your coat and tunic too? But don't move until you have the sure word of God about it. You don't want to run away from something because it's eventually you're going to have to go back to it like Jacob has to go back. But when you do, when God does tell you to move or does tell you to stay, do it at any and every cost. It'll be best for you. It'll be best for your family. It'll be best uh, for those that you might be leaving behind. But if it's a marriage, and they're a believer, and you're a believer, do everything you can. Do everything you can to make it work. Because you don't want a family ripped apart because you were trying to stand up for yourself. When you let God stand up for you. But if God is telling you to do whatever He's telling you to do, no matter how hard it seems, how difficult it seems, know that God will be with you god we thank you that you're with us and for us thank you that you're with jacob and rachel and leah and all their children and wives and servants and god thank you that you tried to reach laban god we pray that you would reach the laban so to speak in our lives that you'd let us be hard-working and sincere uh, but god we ask for your blessing on, on all of our lives and our employers and our friends our families our neighbors even for our sake uh, but also for theirs and God, we love you. We ask that God we lift you up and be obedient to you. And when you do call, we would say, here are we. Here I am. Thank you, God, for all your love and grace. God, bless this town, bless this community, bless your church, bless those who are godless or even have idols in their homes. May they come to know you, and may you free them from uh, those lives of slavery and be free to be your servant. In Jesus' name, amen.